This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. No clutch gene for Jake Moody. Brock Purdy has his worst performance as a 49er in his young career. All forty things, all forty nine things the Niners did wrong, are coming to you right after this. I'm just kidding. There wasn't 49 things that went wrong. A lot of things went wrong, but welcome back to another episode of Clutch Gene Sports and the Rohan Chakavarti Show. How's it going, Rohan? Hey, going well, man. I mean, obviously, a lot to talk about in this one. The 49ers lose in a unfortunate game, 19-17 to to the Cleveland Browns, their first loss of the season. A lot to unpack in this one, that's for sure. It was an interesting game, man. Like We could honestly really start anywhere. Um, we could go game plan. We could do whatever. Honestly, it's just this game was an interesting one, and I'm very curious to see here how you have to react to it or how other people react to it. Um, sure enough, on on the timeline, there's a lot of people reacting a certain way. Um, some people are blaming Jake Moody, just Jake Moody. Um, others blaming just Brock Purdy. Others blaming the entire 49ers roster. Um, a few Kyle Shanahan, like it's. It's a lot of things that are interesting. I'm very curious, Rohan. So we could start with the offense or we could start with the defense side of the ball, whichever you prefer, or we could go straight to the main topics and the haymakers and go Jake Moody and Brock Purdy, but I'll let you lead the way. Yeah, I mean, let's start with uh, let's start with the blame game and let's start with the offense because I think the offense, when you talk about it, they're the ones who struggled more in this 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 one, right? You, you, if you just, without context, if you talk about a 1917 game, and you lose, you're going to be talking about how you only gave up 19 points and how you only, I mean, you only scored 17 points. 49ers did not score enough in this game, and that's the reason they lost. And so we'll start at the head of the snake. We got to talk about Brock Purdy. Thought it was his worst game of his career. I, I honestly did. Purdy did not, uh, you know, he did not have an efficient performance. And this was an opponent coming into this one that a lot of us tried to warn you guys. Cleveland Browns are a tough defense. They, they Coming into this one, they were the number one ranked defense statistically, especially in the passing game. They allow only 125 passing yards a game through the first four contests of the season for them. Brock Purdy, 
Well, guess what? He threw for 125 yards, 12 of 27 passing, a touchdown, and his first interception of the season. Marco, let's talk with you. What did you see from Brock Purdy in this one? So a lot of you know, and I've been saying it through the first six weeks of the season, it's not just going to be a one time where I'm talking about Brock Purdy not playing well. Like There's been games where he looked efficient. I'm still like, yeah, I saw different. Right. And I've been labeled a Brock hater or whatever. I don't care what I'm labeled. I really don't. I've been saying I'm going to hold my reservation on Brock, but I really saw a quarterback who was confused at times. And I didn't get it because they were in man majority of the time. Like it looked like he was confused. I don't know if it was he was feeling pressure that wasn't there um, or if he, because it, realistically yes the offensive line didn't play great right he was pressured on pff has him on 45 percent of his passes he was pressured um pro foot uh uh the other one other organization had him at nine percent um the, the stats are very right it depends on how you're watching the game and how close you consider a, a player being to consider a pressure and, and whatnot but the the stat that i came away with in utter shock was he had 2.83 seconds of time to throw. The average. That's a lot of time. In the NFL, that's kind of an eternity. Now, if you look at his other highest time to throw, week one, which was 2.85. Um, every other game that you weeks two through five, he's getting the ball out under 2.6 seconds. So we could sit here and argue, oh, it's because uh, Brock Purdy didn't have time to throw. Well, his old line was bad. Not the case because he obviously had more time, average time to throw than he has in the past, or at least that he had done in the past. He, we could we could say that Brock Purdy was flustered because of the rain. Um, now he does have a small hand per NFL metrics, whatever you want to consider. He does have a small hand. Um, but what I thought was the main, um area for from concern of watching Brock Purdy in that game was definitely the arm strength. And what I mean by that was it's always been a question and a lot of us have always said arm strength was an issue. But when you're throwing in those kind of weathers and that kind of a little bit of wind, the mugginess of the the humidity from the rain possibly, you got to have a stronger arm to cut through that kind of weather. And on some of those throws, normally he throws it in that timing, or it might have been he wasn't on time. But normally you see him hitting a lot of these throws that are just behind receivers. And when I mean, I'm not talking about the throw to Christian McCaffrey that was deep that likely scored the touchdown. I'm not talking. About, I'm not talking about that. One. I'm not talking about that at all because that's the last of the throws that I'm talking about. I don't expect Brock Purdy to make that throw on a regular. And the reason why I don't expect it is because we haven't seen that throw on a regular. So I cannot expect something from him that hasn't been a regular, consistent throw he's made. The throws I'm talking about, the interception to Brandon, I, the, the, he was targeting Brandon Ayuk, wide-ass open. NFL terms, that's wide-ass open. He's open, throws it way behind and high. Easy interception from Martin Emerson. Um, another one that I could think of, um, Brandon Ayuk is... On a in-breaking route, he's coming across, screaming across the field. He's open. Throws it behind. It was a, no, it was a free play, too, which was even worse. Um, throws it behind 
Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk just gets his hands off on it, drop, bobbles it, drops it. Now, you consider that a drop because it hit his hands, but you also got to realize he's running 100 miles per hour. Has to turn completely across his body. Another one was to Juwan Jennings. The first drive of the game-winning drive was almost intercepted because he was super behind on Juwan Jennings. Super behind him. It was so behind that Greg Newsom probably should have sealed the deal on the first throw of that possession. He didn't. He dropped it. Interception dropped. So another one, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, it was a, I believe it was a crossing route. Uh, might have been a dig. I, I'm not too sure what the route was. I'm not worried about the route uh, combination, or whatever. But instead of waiting one more window on Brandon Ayuk, he had time. Instead of putting the ball more towards the the number of the 50, tries to layer it over. Now I get he's been able to do that. He did that against the Dallas Cowboys, but he tried layering layering that throw, almost intercepted by I believe it was uh, Jeremiah Kowosu. Drops it. That's a dropped interception. Now, if he waits a tad and throws into the next window, it's a completion. Brandon Ayuk is open. He probably catches it and takes off for a long game. Another play that I thought was interesting was it was a play-action boot. Brock Purdy was rolling. He had a lot of time. He didn't. He didn't. Wasn't, wasn't really pressured. Um, Brandon Ayuk is coming across the field, wide ass open. He has to wait for the ball. He waits for it. Catches it. I believe it was Martin Emerson was screaming across the field. If he hits him in stride, doesn't have to wait for it. Probably scores. I don't. There's no play that that um, Brandon Ayuk hurdled Martin Emerson. I don't know if you guys remember that play, but that was the play. Yeah. He hits him in stride. It's a touchdown. He doesn't. If he doesn't wait, that's a touchdown. So it's a lot of timing, a lot of throws that were inaccurate, um, a lot of turnover worthy plays, a lot of turnover worthy plays. Um, now I get I've talked about turnover worthy plays during training camp and stuff like that, interceptions in training camp. That is what I saw in training camp, Rohan. That's what I was worried about at training camp. Now people can be like, oh well, it's only it's only one game. The the games get harder as you play better defenses. That's what I was concerned about, and that's what I've been concerned about this entire time. Now, I, I share a different opinion than Marco here in certain aspects. I don't think arm strength necessarily was the major concern for me, but I do agree with the other sentiment. Accuracy and timing. That is what Brock Purdy's bread and butter has been this entire season. That's really why you've seen the ascendance, um, you know, from being a bottom half quarterback to a top half quarterback in the NFL. That's kind of where you've seen him grow. It's like you, you're, you're, you know, the anticipate, you know, the instinctual ability was there, but you wanted to see it translate to the field. And it's been translating at a more consistent level through the first five weeks of the season. In week six, however, accuracy, that was off and timing. It was off as well. I thought there were a couple of throws where he could have waited a little longer or could have thrown it a little earlier in certain windows where, you know, it's either he's hesitant a little bit or he's expecting pass rush to come. And so he releases it before he might, uh, you know, he, he should have or something like that. And that's where I'm thinking uh, to myself, you know, what changed in this week versus the weeks past? Because Brock Purdy has seen similar looks. It's, it, I mean, there are, there are definitely some schematic differences that the Cleveland Browns did, but he's, you know, he's been able to operate, especially with open receivers, been able to target and really get the ball to them at a high level. 
In this one, he was 8 of 15 in clean pockets when targeting receivers. That's not what you want to see from a, you know, uh, that low of a clip against open receivers. Now, Brock Purdy was pressured a good amount, and we'll talk about the offensive line. I, I do believe he was pressured a good amount, but there were also a number of throws missed in clean pockets. I think that's the bigger concern. You know, I think that that's something that where you have opportunities, you need to be able to capitalize on them. And I will say this. I do believe that you have the, uh, you, ha you, you do give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I do believe that because he has produced well for you to begin the season, especially alleviating any, any, alleviating any concerns that the injury might have caused. But when you see a game like this, this is where Marco brings up what we talked about in the offseason. I boldly stated that I didn't believe the 49ers were going to win a Super Bowl in 2023 with Brock Purdy at quarterback, and I attributed it primarily to the quarterback. This was not a slight at Brock Purdy as much as it was. When you look at the remainder of the teams in the NFL, this is what you expect in terms of defense and things like that. I have no doubt the 49ers are going to be a playoff team. Hell, I even predicted them to make the NFC Championship for another uh, a second consecutive year, right? That's not my issue. My issue is that when it comes to the biggest games, how is your quarterback going to be able to perform, especially when he's going to need to be the one to carry the team like other elite quarterbacks have done? Brock Purdy has done that on certain occasions. You want to see it be done more consistently. This was his best opportunity. This was kind of a, a statement opportunity for Brock Purdy in that you didn't have Christian McCaffrey. You didn't have Debo Samuel. You know, um, you, 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 you're missing those guys. How could you elevate the offense? And unfortunately, Brock Purdy did not have the best game, um, you know, probably the worst game of his career uh, from an accuracy standpoint and things like that. And the reason also that I, I'm saying that I, I do give him the benefit of the doubt is that issues that he showcased on Sunday were issues that he hasn't really showcased as heavily in the past. There have been there, but he's been, uh, you know, doing well and showing up and being more consistent in that front. But the fact of the matter is the 49ers scored 17 points in this game, gave up multiple opportunities to put points on the board, such as the Christian McCaffrey wheel route that ended up being overthrown, such as some of the plays like the Brandon Ayuk drop. Uh, he, uh, Marco pointed out the other Brandon Ayuk uh, opportunity where Martin Everson scored. You get a, you know, you get a Fred Warner interception. You only get a field goal or sorry, you get a missed field goal opportunity there where you should have scored when you end up starting at the Browns 26 yard line. You know, there were a lot of things that went wrong and a lot of things needed to go wrong for the 49ers to lose a game like this, but you got to start at the head of the snake. Unfortunately, I thought Brock Purdy did not play well in this game. And I thought that that was a clear indicator of why the 49ers lost. Yeah, and, and like you say, I'm not saying this is the end of the world for Brock Purdy. I'm not saying, oh my God, the Niners got a, a terrible quarterback. That's not what I'm saying. And like I and I know it's coming off the wrong way to a lot of people. What I'm saying is there's there's certain there's certain things to be concerned about. How do defenses adjust to what the 49ers are doing? Do defenses drop their linebackers like they did in man coverage? Um, when you don't, you don't really have. Real quick, talk to us about that because this is something we talked about off camera. Talk to me about what you saw from the Browns' defense and the way they utilized their linebackers against Brock Purdy. Well, from what I saw, it, it looked like the Browns and Jim Swartz understands that Brock loves to attack the deep intermediate of the field. He loves those dig routes in Kyle Shanahan's route, uh, uh, coaching offensive scheme. He loves it. He feasts on those. He, I'm going to take those away. Now, uh, I at least noticed from Jeremiah uh, Kowosha, and I believe it's, uh, I don't know if it's T uh, Taki T. It's Anthony Walker or Sloan Taki Taki? Yeah, Taki Taki. I believe it was Taki Taki. He dropped them deep to the middle of the field. 
Now I'm talking maybe 10 yards. Like that's pretty deep for a, for a linebacker when you're in cover one, you have the running backs coming out of the backfield and stuff like that. They went complete cover one. They went complete. Instead of sending some blitzes, they were dropping either one of them or both. And they were sitting in that middle, deep middle. And they were forcing Brock to three. All right. Instead of like, for example, the, the linebackers for the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. They weren't, they weren't getting that deep. Now it's easier to layer it when you're five yards ahead than, than, than what you should be. It was an emphasis, point of emphasis. Get back. It's harder to layer. Almost gets intercepted by Kowosu. It kind of throws off your 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 windows. So we did see um, the 49ers get affected by that. And I thought that was something interesting. I haven't seen linebackers drop against Kyle like that that bad. Normally you see Kyle use a lot of the, the what you call a Texas or a choice route. Um, from the running backs, you was normally would see a lot of George Kittle involved. Um, so I was I was like, whoa, like that's and that's a great film uh, film study and going, you know what? I got to adjust my defense to take away that deep um, intermediate route. And so for me, I thought that was nice defensive adjustment, but I also felt like Brock needs to understand, hey, they're taking that away from you. You got a lot of you had a few checkdowns you could have took you could have taken, um, at least from what I saw. Now some of the throws were just way behind. Um, they were open. They're just behind. Um, not no, it's not now. Like you said, it's he gets the leeway because he's had five good games or a few good games now. Um, over 10, 11 games, he's had a good amount of games. So we're not gonna sit here and be like, oh, he's now the worst quarterback in the NFL. There's not he's a good quarterback. Like let's, let's be real, he's a good quarterback. But watching this, it was definitely a concern of mine to see because when I I thought the reason why I think it was a little bit of arm strength is when you have that kind of weather, it's either arm strength that is. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply carrying you through or precise precise timing now he's been on time every game we've seen him he's been on time and that's what's made him elite over the first five weeks it made him like in the conversation where people are arguing that he may be elite because of his timing so that's why i thought it was arm strength um now looking at brock do you think this is a concern moving forward against teams like the eagles um, the Lions, um, who else? The good defenses in the NFC, not not the Cowboys, but good defenses. I think when you look at this, I, I do think that this is a – I don't think this is the accurate representation, but I don't think that this is a game where you can just disregard. We just talked about some of those top defenses, right? The 49ers faced a good defense last week. It was the Dallas Cowboys. It's one where they've characteristically had their number, and Brock Purdy looked good against the Dallas Cowboys. I thought he had a very good game, and this this followed up a solid, strong performance against the Arizona Cardinals. Last week's game might have even been better, you know? And so that's why there was a good amount of optimism coming into this one. Cleveland, statistically and on film, looked stout defensively in general coming into this week but because Brock Purdy had compiled a good game against a good starting defense in the Dallas Cowboys there was optimism I think this game kind of pushes back a little bit on that optimism just understanding that there are certain things that Brock Purdy will need to shore up the way that he uh, operates under pressure but the way that he also simulates that pressure and operates with clean pockets as well I think that that's another thing where Brock Purdy is going to have to realize where can I improve on that and how to fix some of those timing and accuracy concerns that he's had so I think that there are certain issues that you can talk about certainly for the 49ers overall in that regard but I do think that this this game it's not the it's not the indicator but it's at least somewhat of an example that now you you have to see a bit of a sample size you have to see more of a sample size from Brock Purdy in those bigger games. And this is why I highlighted concerns at the beginning of the season, despite me being more optimistic about Brock Purdy than I initially was coming into the offseason. That's why I highlighted some of these concerns. And Purdy has cons consistently continued to, you know, impress me this season. I've said it, and I I'm not going to, I'm never going to say, like, you know, I apologize or anything like that because I, I stand on what I say. But he's impressed me this season. But now when we look at this type of game, I do think that that is important. I do think that uh, valuing the defense that you play because you're going to face this type of defense in the in the postseason is important. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Rick Diaz and uh, Tobo Hammer. So um, if you guys are just tuning in, we did talk a little bit about Brock Purdy, uh, mainly to start the first 20 minutes has been Brock Purdy. Um, so you guys may have to, to go back and watch the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of it. Um, because it, we did talk and give, we gave our opinion on what happened, what we saw from Brock. Um, now I do know a lot of people have, and before we get into, cause this is the question that Rick Diaz is asking. So we might as well get into it. Cause I know, uh, Potobo uh, hammers question is good as well about CMC. Um, but what do you think to miss field goals for bad calls? What do you think? 
go through your mind. Am I right or wrong? Um, by bad calls, uh, I think he like means like bad the, calls to go for it. Or no, no, I think he means by the bad uh, ref uh, officiating uh, the the unnecessary roughness on mm. the uh, Gibson hit, the fumble from Walker. Um, and a lot of people were mentioning that one. What do you think on 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 that in the sense of leaving it up to a ref, Rohan? Because I I know I'm I think it's crazy to leave it up to a ref. You, you know you know my you know my take on this. I I don't care. I honestly don't. And I I mean I don't mind speaking my mind about referees. I thought Sunday's officiating crew was pretty poor. I thought they were very bad on both sides. I I didn't think this was you know a Brown centric or a 49er centric. I thought they threw the flag one too many times. And I also thought that you know overall I thought they were pretty poor with the way that they did their jobs. However, there is not a reason for you to point at the referees and say that's the reason you lost this game. We're going to get into the full reason. The 49ers lost this game because their quarterback didn't play well, because they weren't able to win at the line of scrimmage against Cleveland's strong defensive line, because they gave up 160 yards on the ground at a high, you know, at a high yards per average clip. And on top of all of that, you can you can say whatever. I mean, I I can point to a couple of things Kyle Shanahan did at the end of the game, but the most I mean, you had the game in your hands. You missed a field goal. You missed a 41 yard field goal that should essentially seal you the game. Not only did he miss that, Moody missed a 54-yarder as well. You know, there are a lot of small little things that the 49ers could have done better. You talk about the 12 penalties that the 49ers had. You talk about the turnovers where the 49ers have been stout with a turnover battle. You lose a turnover, and then another one, which is a fumble that you recover that essentially kills your drive. You talk about, you know, so many missed opportunities that San Francisco had in this game, and they lost by two points. Any one of those opportunities goes your way, and you win this game. This game was on the 49ers, undoubtedly on the 49ers. Regardless of how the officiating went, they should have won this game by multiple scores. They did not because the Browns played better than them and because the Browns ended up holding up in key moments more than them. So, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm in the same situation or same opinion on you in terms of leaving it up to the ref or saying, oh, that, that call was why we lost. Calls went our way, too. What about the the, yeah. the face mask from Ambry Thomas hitting call? The other face mask from one of our running backs hitting call? Like, calls went our way too. Like, we, yeah. you can't sit here and, like, pinpoint one call. At the, just because it's at the end of the game in a crucial crucial situation and say, that's why we lost. Or the refs effed us. I mean, there's two, two plays I just pointed out. That should have been 15-yard penalties for the, the Browns offense. That's 30 yards right there. And regardless, you should never let it up to the officiating. You talk about a lot of those penalties. They were false starts. The false starts were blatant. You bump you bump mm-hmm. yourself from third and two or third and, you know, you bump yourself on third down situations. And regardless of the situation, you're killing yourself by committing those false start penalties. You're, you're hurting yourself only, holding penalties. Whatever it may be, you can't consistently allow the ref to blow the whistle and allow yourself to beat yourself up. You know, there are certain situations. Do I agree with the call for Tashawn Gibson's hit? No, I thought it was to the chest. I did not think it was a penalty. But is that the reason that the 49ers lost? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah, and when I'm looking at it too, it's like you, you're you going to have bad calls every game no matter what. You could look at it either way. It's a bad call for us, bad call for them. Either way, refs shouldn't be. Uh, you should not allow the refs to be able to dictate the game. Go out and dominate. Don't be that that team that is close and then blames the refs. I, I don't. 
I'm not a fan of that. Never have been, even when I played sports. Never let the refs try to dictate the game or the outcome of a game. Um, now, what about Talk Jake? About yeah, go ahead. Moody. What about Jake Moody? Two missed field goals, a 51-yarder early in the game, and obviously, of course, the the one of the most important plays of the game, a 41-yard field goal that he missed right by about an inch and a half, two inches. What do you think about Jake Moody, Rohan? Wrote about it in my three quick takeaways after the game. The honeymoon period is over. Jake Moody, unfortunately, missed two field goals in this one. And like we said, it's a two-point game. One of those field goals changes the difference of this game. And, I mean, the most important one is the last one. Coming into the season, a lot of people had concerns about Jake Moody. One, pre uh, during the draft. Marco and I were live. We were both not ecstatic about uh, utilizing a third-round selection on the kicker, especially given where the 49ers were with their draft situation starting in the third round and with the talent on the board and also with I mean, the precedence. Juan Jones? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I tweeted that. I tweeted, uh, you know, you're playing against the right tackle you could have had to start at your right tackle position while he was pancaking somebody. But he's not but better than Colin McKivitz, though, you know? He's not better. He, he's not hey. – don't. Yeah, he's not a he wouldn't have came out and beat Paul McKibbitz. Kyle's he's head. not a scheme fit. He's not a scheme fit. He's uh, too big. But He just running the same it. scheme in uh, Cleveland. That's exactly true. But talking about Jake Moody, the issue here isn't at all – well, it is about Moody. But in a way, again, like I said with Purdy, you do give him the benefit of the doubt because you started well. Jake Moody hit on a 57-yard field goal. He was 9 for 9 coming into this game. But the one issue where you talk about benefit of the doubt in regard to a quarterback and a kicker is that the kicker has much less room for mar or much less margin for error because of how costly it is. You know, if you talk about a quarterback, they've got chances to make up for their mistakes, especially when you have high expectations and pressure for Moody. He's just a kid. I understand that. But when you look at the post-game interview that he had overall, I mean, it, it's it's showing that it was sticking with them. And unfortunately, he's got to have a clean slate. He's got to wipe it clean and be able to perform going forward. Give him the benefit of the doubt because he's, he made his first nine field goals of the year. But now the honeymoon period's over for Jake Moody because when it comes to these clutch situations, he's coming after a kicker that was 100% for the 49ers, nearly perfect for the 49ers in doing these situations, especially in uh, you know moments that matter the most in the playoffs. Jake Moody, you've got a lot of, you know, you've got some big shoes to fill. I'm going to continue to ride with you because you're the guy right now for the 49ers, but they cannot afford to lose games, especially deep down in the playoffs when the, mar you know, when the margin for error is going to be even less. They can't afford to lose games due to kicking issues. Because remember, like I said at the very beginning of the season, the difference between the number one seed and the number two seed, that first round buy, is one game. The difference between the number two seed and getting, you know, uh, or really winning your division and winning the wild card spot is maybe one to two games. You can't afford to lose one to two games, even if it's a non-conference game, even if it's a regular mm -hmm. season game. Sure, some games matter a lot more than other games, 100%. But you can't afford to lose games that are right in your hands and you let them slip away. This one was one of them. And kicking, like I said, was an issue. Absolutely. Kicking was an issue. I, I feel bad for uh, Jake Moody a little bit. He's definitely, I don't know if you guys know, I'm just a kid uh, by Simple Plan. Um, I've heard it a few times, a, more of a pop punk song. I don't know if you know that song, Rohan, my age myself. But it's, it's I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. I'm just a kid. 
I know that it's not fair. Nobody cares because I'm alone and the world is having much more fun than me tonight. Imagine having to sing that song because nobody cares that you're young. Nobody cares that you're a rookie. Nobody cares that you're not having fun because you're a damn kicker in the NFL and you don't have any margin of error. Any with a lot of people, especially when you are a rookie on a team that is trying to win a damn Super Bowl. That's the biggest difference. If you're a rookie and you're on a shitty-ass team, they're going to let you go through your your ups and downs. You don't got that kind of that time. You're drafted in the third then, round. I'll, I'll say this. Even then, the Cleveland Browns cut Cade York. Cade York is not their kicker anymore, I believe. Um, and Cade York, you know, he was a fourth-round pick in 2021. But 2021, they're... sorry, 2022, 2022. He was a rookie last year, a fourth round pick, which was still on, you know, unprecedented. Mm-hmm. He gets cut during training camp this year after kicking 75%. And that was a Cleveland Browns team that was competing, but not, you know, an elite level team. I absolutely agree with your point that, you know, it's even more important when you're on a Super Bowl contending team. But I'm, the, the margin for kickers in the NFL is very slim, which is why when I went back in the draft and, you know, you pull up the data, 80% of the top 10 was undrafted you look mm-hmm. at the top you know you look at the top 22 kickers in the nfl a good good portion of them were undrafted because teams understand that you don't need to spend resources at the position at, at least as significant resources because of how slim that margin is and honestly because of how varying kickers are in the nfl but i, I would i would use your point to actually prove my point in a way right the Cleveland Browns think they're a contending team. They got that defense. They have Deshaun Watson. They have Amari Cooper, right? They were supposed. They're supposed to be a team that is contending this year, right? And instead of getting letting a young kid continue developing as a kicker, they said we cannot allow you to hit only seventy five percent of your field goals. We're going with a veteran who is be- we think is better than you, right? That's hey, they they did it. But instead, the Niners were like, you know, you know what, a kicker will will probably make our team. And become a starter, a key player to our our franchise, instead of drafting Dewan Jones, because he's not going to be able to compete with J- uh, Colton McKibbins. He's that good. So now, I mean, if you want to blame anyone on this loss, you could blame Jake Moody. That's fine, but why not call out John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan for drafting Jake Moody in the first place instead of going out and signing a kicker? Trading for a kicker, you know, didn't they? Didn't they trade for a seventh round kicker, seventh rounder for a kicker? I wonder how Zane Gonzalez would be doing right now. I mean, he's he might be injured or whatever still, but regardless, what I'll say about this is, I'll 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 put a silver lining on it. Dewan Jones was there. Certain players that I liked were there. I'm not going to say no on this selection after the first bad game. But like I said with Brock Purdy, and it matters to an even larger degree here, the honeymoon period is over for Jake Moody because the 49ers cannot lose games due to kicking woos. You know, and it hasn't happened yet. That's why I'm saying I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because he was 9 for 9 and he kicked some big field goals before. But this was his first high-leverage situation with the 49ers. Wrote this in my three takeaways. His first high-leverage situation he hasn't been kicking, you know, in the fourth quarter when his team needs him to score. He's been kicking at times where it's been more comfortable, even if it's been a, at a larger distance. And so right now, you know, it's it's 
pressure's on for Jake Moody. He's definitely going to feel it. But unfortunately, that's how it is for kickers in the NFL because there's such a slim margin for error. Absolutely. Uh, how many games or, or how many missed field goals does it have to take in order for the 49ers to either um, trade for a kicker, um, sign a kicker off the street? Um, there's a kicker, I believe, who goes by the name Robbie Gold who might want a decent enough contract to come play for a, a team in the Bay. Um, I think he might have played for them in, in, in the past, but kind of curious to, to see how many more field goals Jake Moody has to miss or or how many kicks out of bounds does he have to have again um, in order for them to give up on this project. We'll see. We'll see. Last question for the offense, though. Christian McCaffrey? Might be out for a few games. We'll see. It is an rib. It is a rib or oblique injury. That's cartilage. The it's a rib cartilage injury at the moment. It seems like the rib one is confirmed. They're waiting to see if the oblique injury is there as well. That would be significant for the 49ers who have played with Christian McCaffrey. You know, they they are they are fifteen and one uh, in their last, or I, I believe, right, fifteen and one in their last fifteen regular so. sixteen regular season games, and a lot of that has been due to McCaffrey. You know. There's a lot going on here, and we saw how the 49ers offense changed a bit. Didn't go with the run as much in the second half without Christian McCaffrey, who really only saw that one touch before going back out. This is some big news. What do you think about the McCaffrey loss, the way the run game worked after he fell, and what to expect going forward? Won't be surprised if he's put on the IR. That's my. That's what I think. Ribs, cartilage. The rib cartilage takes a long time to heal. Obliques take a really long time to heal. Um, I know they confirmed the rib, and they're like, "Oh, he's getting MRI." I believe the MRI was to see if how how severe the cartilage damage was in the ribs. Um, I believe he's confirmed on the oblique injury. I believe that was what was what caused him to come out of the game. I think that's where it was what, more. I think yeah. So Shanahan had said today, um, imaging going under undergoing an MRI on the oblique injury. Um, he's yeah, undergoing imaging to figure it out pretty much. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think I think the oblique injury is gonna be a concern. Um, I would reason I personally, even if the oblique injury wasn't severe, I'm putting him on the IR. I'm giving him four weeks to rest. Even if you don't put him on the IR, you pretty much essentially tell him, Hey, we're thinking about putting you on the IR. You have at least three, two to three weeks to heal. We don't want to even think about using you. Because we need you in the playoffs. Why am I doing that? Oblique injuries are tricky injuries, man. Those are the the essentially your outer core muscle, from what I understand. Right now, what that allows you to do that's a lot of turning, cutting, all the movements, which is what you, McCaffrey stars at. What well, exactly where he stars at? And if you allow him to continue playing hurt with already a, a messed up cartilage in his ribs. He could fracture a rib, now puncture his lung. Um, a lot of things could, could, can, can come from those two injuries. So I personally would keep him out for a few weeks. Now, does this affect the 49ers offense? Absolutely. Um, look how the 49ers played. Look how Brock Purdy played um, without Christian McCaffrey. He looked uncomfortable. He didn't have a security blanket, his check down blanket. Um, if nothing was open, he felt, you kind of felt once Christian McCaffrey went out, you kind of felt the sense of the offense pressing. They are they they needed to get something done, trying to prove a point, right? 
We don't need Christian McCaffrey. This is a this team is great, even with 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 that all the playmakers we have. It's kind of what I felt. Now, do I think Christian McCaffrey is done for? I saw someone ask it on Twitter. Um, do I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be done for a uh, majority of the season? No. Do I think this affects him when he comes back? No. Um, do I think Brock Purdy bounces back without Christian McCaffrey against a bad Vikings defense? Yes. Um, but there's also other injuries that I'm concerned about. Trent Williams is probably the biggest of the three, in my opinion. Um, the reason is, is you have Jordan Mason, Elijah Mitchell, um, Ty Davis Price. You have the running back depth. That's why you drafted um, a third-round running back and you drafted Elijah Mitchell. Um, that's why you kept Jordan Mason around. I'm not worried about the running back position. It, it's a deep room. Um, now, it's not going to be Christian McCaffrey good, but it's good enough, right? Um, Debo Samuel shoulder, I think he should be she, He should be back. I don't think his is serious. Um, but the reason why I think Trent Williams is the most um, impactful, if he's not out there, you have Jalen Moore and Colton McKivitz as your starting tackles. That doesn't, yeah. that doesn't give me much confidence. I don't know about you, Rohan, but when I hear Jalen Moore and Cole McKivitz, that scares me. Now, especially for a quarterback who looked like he was sped up, his clock will be even more sped up against it doesn't matter who's out there. If you have Jalen Moore or Cole McKivitz out there, your clock is going to be sped up just because you know those are your tackles. So that's the injury I'm more concerned about um, because, I, in my opinion, I think when you lose the best offensive tackle in the NFL um, – and your quarterback has been dicing up teams because of the time he's had um, and because of the the comfortability in the pocket, because if he's had, he's had decent pockets. That's what becomes concerning. The moment Trent's not there and the your time clocks are getting sped up, that's when you start seeing more passes behind you, high tips and overthrows become interceptions. We saw that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the run game. Uh, there was a big difference. I mean, it's it's pretty clear that Christian McCaffrey is the guy they trust the most. Um, he had two carries in the second half. One was taken away due to penalty. That was the one where he ended up going right back to the locker room after, um, you know, after that injury. They had, uh, I, I believe, fifteen other carries in total in the game. Three came from Brock Purdy. Two came from Debo Samuel. In the, in the second half, he didn't run the football that much, and it wasn't like the game was like out of proportion at all. The 49ers were never down two scores in this game. In fact, they ended they they entered the the half up 10-7, right? Uh you know, you you go down 13-10 uh, and then you go up 17-13. They were they were not down for that big uh uh you know, they weren't down for much of this game overall and it was also only a one-score game. You talk about the run game. The trust needs to be there from Kyle Shanahan for his running backs. I, I don't think that that was the case overall. Um, in the second half, and I think that the 49ers offense stalled as a result because the Cleveland Browns were able to do different things in the past game that ended up stifling Brock Purdy and company. And so that's where I was. Uh, that's what I'm thinking for the run game. I think that there needs to be more trust, and I also think that it's going to be a significant loss because the 49ers do so much with McCaffrey on the field, not only in the run game but also in the pass game. I think that you're now losing a decoy option. In 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 all ver in in all variety because teams are going to respect Jordan Mason or Elijah Mitchell as much as they do Christian McCaffrey. You don't you might not see the double teams coming you know on those Texas routes or choice routes. You might see one on one coverage against the linebacker because you're waiting for them to prove themselves or something like that. On your point though on the injuries, there are three big ones: McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and Trent Williams. 
Trent Williams is undoubtedly the biggest. Uh, and we said this in the offseason. A lot of people were like, why do you guys complain about the offensive line and about the offensive line depth? I said that coming into the uh, coming into the season, my biggest concern with this roster was the, the tackle depth. It was absolutely the tackle depth. Why? Go back and look at the numbers. Trent Williams has not played a full season since 2015. 2015, or sorry, not 15, 2013, I, I don't believe. He's missed at least one game in every other season. You look at the last few seasons, 2022, he missed three games. 2021, he missed two games. 2020, he missed three games. And these aren't significant numbers. I'm not saying Trent Williams is injury prone by any means. No, he, he plays with such tenacity. Yeah, you did. You just said that. He's not injury prone, but he misses very few games. Those few games are a huge difference. You talk about last last year, uh, or no, you talk about 20, uh, 2021, the Jacksonville game. Jimmy Garoppolo got drilled because Jalen Moore was his left tackle in that game. He got drilled and nearly injured on a, on a throw. He might have gotten, you know, uh, gotten a little dinged up on that throw. There are certain things where you're worried you're you're worried about the cause of concern for your quarterback, not only for how the overall offense plays. You don't want your quarterback getting injured because you you don't have a competent backup behind Trent Williams. And right now, unfortunately, Jalen Moore is a replacement level player. He's not a guy who you can trust to throw out there, especially if it's for two to three games. Good news is it's a low ankle sprain. But this is the issue with the 49ers. They had ample opportunity to upgrade at the offensive tackle depth that they could have had. They didn't do that, and they faced pressure in this game. They also, and it was you know the very slight opportunity that Jalen Moore had. But if Trent Williams misses time, that's an issue. But more importantly, if Trent Williams is hurt, he's also not at one hundred percent. I think Miles Garrett. You know, this was the best that Trent Williams has ever been bested in a game in a while, statistically. I think Miles Garrett won thirty-one percent of the reps uh, that he had against Trent Williams, and again. It, it's still a good amount of wins for Trent Williams against a elite level defensive end, but you don't want Trent Williams being hobbled. You want him to be hundred percent. And so you do raise the question, do you want him for the stretch run? And if so, who's the backup? It's not a great player. And that's another thing. The 49ers are going to have to battle. Unfortunately, they didn't address this in the off season when we were saying this was the number one concern. And right now it, it's a, it's a problem. The 49ers have to think about. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think a lot of people will have too much faith in or confidence in Colton McKivitz in the sense of they're like, you know what? He's going to prove us. He's going to be better in pass pro and run in the run game. He's been shit. He's been terrible. Jake Brendel. I was a, I kept saying, go get a center, go draft the damn center, go, tr go sign a center. There was a lot of centers in this, in this pre-agency class. And instead the 49ers decided to roll with Jake Brendel, who, in my opinion, in the run game has been pretty bad. Pass pro going the wrong way. I mean, argue people that were saying that Jake Brendel was a top five player um, along the in the centers group because um, of certain stats. He hasn't been playing well. Now, when you have a lot of things going on in the offensive line, Trent Williams lo losing Trent Williams would show a lot more people how bad this offensive line has been. Um, in the sense of now the O line and, and pass pro has done a Pretty good job, but what I mean by how bad they've been in the sense of there's plays that have gone for six yards that should have gone for 15 to 25, right? Or a, a, a pass where, um, for example, uh, Brock Purdy shouldn't have a guy in his face because of what which way they went in pass pro, but instead Jake Brendel goes the wrong way. Now he's throwing with pressure in his face. Um, 
So for me, that's a big concern. Now, looking at the defense, the defense wasn't wasn't the only one, or offense was the only one at fault for this game. Defense played pretty bad. They had, I believe, was it 12 to 18 tackle, uh, missed tackles in this game, I believe? A lot of them. A lot of them. Um, and a lot of them came in the ground where they gave up 160 yards on 4.7 yards per carry. And what? And for me, I'm not too concerned on the defense um, because you you don't have Dre Greenlaw. Uh, but I've, I also said in the past, and I gave I gave I had just given Javon Kinlaw and uh, Javon, uh, Javon Hargrave some props and credit for how good they've been in the run game, and then they look terrible in the run game, especially Javon Kinlaw. Man, he was getting tossed around. It was bad. It wasn't not. It was ugly. Um, now, when I'm looking at that, that's a concern because giving up 160 yards to a team that has Jerome Ford as their running back. Missing their left tackle and their starting left guard. What are we doing here? Missing 18 tackles is a concern. Or 12 tackles is a concern. Now, why I'm not going to over-criticize the 49ers defense, they created two turnovers, gave you the ball at the 8-yard line, and gave you an easy touchdown. Now, you have to, obviously, I'm going to say it because people were in, on spaces earlier where, like, Marco, they have to, offense so has to execute and score a touchdown. I get that. But they gifted you a damn touchdown. You get the ball at eight yard line. That's a damn gift. If you don't score at eight yard line, I'm gonna tell you what the hell are you doing, right? Like you have four plays to punch it in from the eight. You can't do that. Something wrong with you. Defense did a very good job, only allowing 19 points in this game. Um, they also gifted them a field goal, which they missed. I mean, absolutely. So that's 10 points right there. They gifted it, and they ended up only getting seven out of it. Um, but looking at the defense, defense and the run game was bad. I mean, it, it wasn't good, but the defense also. Created two turnovers, forced a lot of three and outs. When the offense was three and out, 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 turnover. What did the defense do? Not give up points on on the turnover from um uh uh on one of the turnovers. Not turnover. It was a um. You're saying not give up points goal. after the missed field goal? Yeah. yeah. After the missed field goal, they didn't give up points. That's huge. You, you did not allow the Browns to capitalize on a, on a mistake. That's huge. So for me, I'm not gonna criticize the D line or the defense too crazy. Um, in pat in the past game, a couple of they also coverages. Yeah. Um, no, go ahead. You, you, you can't you can't crit you can't knock. Um, I know people are like, oh, why the hell are we paying Tarverius Ward? He can't even uh, high point a ball or, and got mossed by. That's just a hell of a damn play by Amari Cooper, dude. He gets they get paid to play football too. The Niners players don't get paid, and everyone else is a bunch of XFL teams. They get paid, too. Now, Amari Cooper mixing up the nominal Lenore was crazy. Put him on his ass. Wide open. Now, Huff, you can't miss that tackle. He picked up an extra 25, 30 yards on a missed tackle where you whiff. That's embarrassing. Um, but 19 points. Defensive defenses only give it up 19 points in a game against a team like this. I'm not concerned about it. I think the offense should probably score more. I also want to highlight some defense things. Um, I, I think they like the, the job they did, I think is a little understated overall because not only did they just give up 19 points, well, the Cleveland, I mean, Brock Purdy threw an interception. They started the drive at the San Francisco 38 and they forced a punt on top of that going later on. Um, you know, the, what do you call it after a punt and then a penalty on the, 
on the return from Shamar Jeans Charles for going out of bounds, they started a drive at the 45 of San Francisco, forced a field goal. You know, you, you the, the the I thought they did a really good job once Cleveland drove down the field to force them to field goals overall. I thought that that was something impressive. You know, the Browns had scoring opportunities in this one. It's not like they didn't. They kicked four field goals in this one, but to limit them to four field goals on those drives was nice. Now, I'm not going to take away from, you know, I'm not going to say that that absolutely absolves their run defense. Their run defense was horrendous in this one, specifically with the missed tackles. But the thing that also where you give them the benefit of the doubt is because that hasn't really happened that many times mm -hmm. this season. You haven't seen to that degree. The run defense coming into this one gave up 64 yards a game and only 3.7 yards per carry because they fill their gaps at the league's best rate. And they also, you know, are able to usually tackle well, or if, Somebody isn't there, you clean it up. So this game was uncharacteristic for them on the ground, and I also do th I thought their pass defense was phenomenal. I, I, I mean, it, it, it was against P.J. Walker. I thought they were consistently creating pressure. That was a big thing. You forced two turnovers in this one, um, you know, two interceptions off of P.J. Walker, and I, I thought this was I thought this was a really good performance in the pass game for the 49ers. It held P.J. Walker to 192 passing yards. It was a completion rate of under 60%. It wasn't. It, it was not a great game. Uh, in in the air for the Cleveland Browns. I thought the 49ers did a really good job there. Some penalties obviously ended up hurting them at certain times, but anytime you hold your uh, hold an opposing offense to under 20 points and you also do it given the circumstances of where Cleveland started some of those drives, I thought that was a really good job by the 49ers defense barring, you know, uh, the the poor run defense. Yeah, and to go to go to what you said too, the the Niners uh on one of the turnovers or not understand after the touch the first initial touchdown the 49ers had the um i believe it was let me double check I was, it was one of the are you saying the interception play what's the interception play no no, no it was the yeah the mm -hmm. interception the 49ers uh that fred warner got right he gives the 49ers the they started the ball at the i believe the Cleveland 26 yeah they lost it the offense a lot the offense lost 10 yards rohan yeah they lost okay. 10 yards they made a field goal much harder and they ended up missing like that's to me like that's when when we talk about how the 49ers have been playing in the past couple of weeks in tandem hand in hand defense and offense that's kind of exactly what happened today like or yesterday defense was playing really damn good and the offense was playing really shitty defense bailed the offense out offense would wouldn't really capitalize and when they finally did it was a touchdown too late ended up having to kick a, a game-winning field goal that's what happens when you, you don't play complimentary football. Um, but tough, tough loss for the 49ers. It was a pretty moody Sunday for a lot of 49er fans. Pretty, pretty moody Sunday. I'd for throw 49ers. that in there. <laughs> you know I had to. Um, yeah. But that's it for today's episode, everyone. Make sure you guys go to Rohan Chakravarti's uh, personal channel. Hit the subscribe button. If you're on Rohan's channel, come to Clutch Gene Sports channel. Uh, make sure you guys... Hit the subscribe button to both of those channels, the like button, the notification bell. The no clutch gene player this week. Jake Moody couldn't hit the field goal. Brock Purdy didn't play well enough. Looks like the 49ers weren't clutched this Sunday. Maybe next. Unfortunate. 49ers lose. They're going to look to try and uh, capitalize on Monday Night Football next week. We got the Minnesota Vikings, and that is a road game as well. We'll see how that goes. Marco, appreciate you. Make sure you go hit up the Clutch Gene Sports channel. And we will be back soon with some more content this week. Stay tuned, guys, and have a good one.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.